This is podcast episode 112. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Now we are moving into the Christmas months, which is enjoyable and happy. And so there is a lot going on in the world today, and we are winding down 2020. For me, thank goodness, it's been such a crazy year. And I know for a lot of families and a lot of parents, it has been hectic. I applaud you as parents for the things that you have gone through and the things that you continue to do for your children and for their well-being. It's not an easy job right now. There's a lot being expected from you as parents. And I have seen case after case, family after family of parents really stepping up to the plate and helping their children. So kudos to you. Now, today we are going to be covering a very specific topic related to questions that I've had over the last couple of weeks, and this is in regards to schedules. Children have schedules that we put in place for them in order to help them succeed. Things that they need to do, like getting up in the morning, getting ready for school. Now, pre-COVID, there were some very specific timelines on how this worked. But during this podcast, I want to talk about schedules, things that you can do as parents to help your children navigate mastering the schedule that you have in place for them, and also your approach as a parent in the way that you perceive putting on these schedules for your children. Because it's a two-edged sword. There are things that parents bring into the parenting experience that they carry over from their own upbringing that may actually be more dangerous and less helpful for your child than really looking at what works and doing what works with your child. So this podcast, we are going to be talking about helping you as a parent establish good schedule routines for your children. We're going to talk about the pencil principle. And the pencil principle is one that I used in a conversation that I had with parents of their daughter, whose name is Janae. So Janae and her parents, Carl and Aaron, have allowed me to share their story it's not an uncommon story. In fact, this is one that pops up quite frequently from parents who have questions about how do I get my child up in the morning? How do I get them motivated to do what they need to do? So I'll be sharing Carl and Aaron's story, but we're going to talk about the pencil principle. We are going to be talking about the skill of preventive teaching, and I'm going to give you some tips on how you can use preventive teaching to teach your child how to follow through with the schedules. So those are the things that we're going to cover during this podcast. So it's super, super important for you to pay attention. All right. Now, I'm going to start off by giving you an introduction to Carl and Aaron and their daughter, Janae. So Carl and Aaron had contacted me because they had some questions about how do I get my child up in the morning, get them going, get them motivated, because they tend to be less active and less cooperative in the mornings. Now, again, I had mentioned that a lot of parents have this issue with their kids in the morning, and there are a lot of things that can come into play. So you can consider maybe they didn't have a good night's sleep, maybe they ate something the night before, maybe they just don't feel very well, they're not getting restful sleep. So there are a few things to consider there, and parents should really take the time to ask their children, tell me what's going on, what's happening. Once they're able to determine that, yeah, my child's getting enough sleep, they go to bed on time, but they just are being defiant to me, then we can start working on some skills in order to work on this. Now, when Carl and Aaron had contacted me originally, Aaron was more motivated 
to learning the teaching family model, which are the skills that we use on the Smarter Parenting website. So Erin was on board. She wanted to do the skills. She wanted to adopt them and use them. Carl, on the other hand, had some reservations. He struggled. He felt like there were certain things that he could bring to the table that were different, and he wanted to try those as well. So in discussing this with Aaron, I, I asked Aaron, and I said, Aaron, it's important that I communicate with Carl too, because when you're working with a child, consistency is one of the most important elements that you need as a parental group here in order to help your daughter, Janae, follow through. If you are doing one thing and Carl is doing something different, completely different, then that would cause some confusion and will cause confusion not only with Janae, but with each other. So I asked Aaron if I could communicate with Carl and if Carl would be open to it. Fortunately, Carl was open to it. So Carl and I were able to communicate and I had a discussion with Carl specifically about parenting and talking about parenting. So this is where I'm going to introduce the pencil principle because it's important for me to be able to convey to parents how to perceive their parenting skills and what they're doing with their children in an effective way, while also introducing other ways that they may possibly use in order to improve the way things had been done. Carl reported to me that he grew up a very specific way with his parents, where they just expected the children to behave a certain way, and because they were consistent and they would just keep at him to do what he needed to do every morning that finally he gave up and he would just follow through. So I explored this with Carl. And in talking about it with Carl, he felt that he wanted to incorporate that into the parenting approach with Janae. So I talked to Carl about that approach. What would it be like if he were to wake up every morning and just be on her case every day consistently until Janae just got up because she was so tired of it? And Carl mentioned, well, it would probably take a long time because Janae's a little bit older and she's been used to this type of behavior for a long time. And so in order to change it, it would take a little bit of time for Janae to adjust. So I agreed. I said it probably would take a lot of time. I asked him, what is the emotional and physical cost to this? Because there is a cost to doing this. You're going to sacrifice your mornings in order to get your child to do what they want. You'll be pestering your child as well. There is a relationship aspect to this where your relationship may be in danger because you're coming across as the bad guy somebody who's always on their case, and it doesn't open up for future connections. Say when your child's in trouble, do you feel like she would come to you and talk to you about those things when she feels like you would just be on her case about everything? My discussion with Carl was long, and it was deep, and it was wonderful. I introduced to him the pencil principle because he wanted to adopt his parenting techniques along with uh, what I was teaching Aaron to do. The pencil principle, and I've used this before with many parents, is the idea that a pencil becomes sharper not by what you add to it, but by what you take away from it when you're sharpening a pencil. So I want you to think about that. Think of a pencil and you're sharpening the pencil. In order to sharpen it, you take things away from the pencil in order for the pencil to be useful. You don't keep adding more on. And in fact, the more stuff you have clumped up at the end where you write, 
the more difficult it is for you to actually use the pencil. That's the pencil principle. I explained this to Carl, and we discussed it and talked about it to streamline our understanding of what is actually necessary for his child to succeed. Now, Carl then came back and said, well, this is the way that we've always done it, meaning in his family, and so I want to do it too. And I talked to him about that, and I said, well, you know, doing things the same way over and over again, the way things have always been done, when you, when you think in that way, it really does limit the parameters of growth. Because if you continually do things the way they've been done before, it doesn't allow for nuance, it doesn't allow for growth, and it doesn't allow for change, right? So I again applied the pencil principle. What are the beneficial pieces that are essential? And what is around that that needs to disappear in order for the pencil to be useful? We can't just keep adding more things into parenting in order to make our children successful. And this is the challenge I'm going to bring up to you as a parent. Where do you gather your information and what things are of most use to your child and what things are extra? What things are more? Now, Carl and I continued to talk about this. And again, I had mentioned it was a long conversation and it was. We talked about things that have happened since COVID hit and how we lived in a world before COVID where we had this belief in the way we should live, the way we should work, and the way things operated. Once we were quarantined and stuck at home, we started to take away bits and pieces of that pencil until we found what was essential. And once we found what was essential, and what would make it useful, the pencil was sharpened, it's still being sharpened amidst this, we know what, what is going to work and how to make it work. Carl and I became really quick friends after this discussion because we were able to go deep into understanding his reservations in working on a new parenting approach using the teaching family model. And again, I get a lot of parents who come in with a lot of different thoughts and ideas. You know, I get it. I get you, you, you've drawn from all these different areas of expertise, and it's wonderful. What I'm suggesting you do, because all parenting skills, everything that is related to parenting, they all have similarities when they are useful and helpful skills. But there is a lot of stuff out there that doesn't work that we've been doing over and over and over again. My goal is to switch it. Let's find things that work. Let's do things that have been proven to work. The teaching family model has been proven to work. This is something that has been sharpened over time consistently by hundreds and thousands of people who use this model with all kinds of children, children who are in the system, children in foster care, children in adoption. The teaching family model is used in schools. It's used in treatment facilities. These skills have been proven to work with children in a lot of different areas. And so it's an amazing gift to be able to find something like the teaching family model to help children, right? Carl and I continued to talk. It was a wonderful conversation. We started to list the things that he felt were important in parenting, how he grew up, 
what he had read in the past, and then we started to uh, list also the things that he wanted to accomplish in relationship to his child, what type of relationship he wanted to have with his child in the long run. And by comparing the two, we started to realize there was a pattern that Carl was approaching parenting from an authority mentality where he was bringing to the table, you will do what I say because I am bigger than you, I will outlast you, I am stronger than you, and you will concede to what I want. And yet when we looked at that, it was a harsh awakening for Carl. Because when he looked at what he wanted in the relationship with Janae, it didn't match. It didn't match at all. He wanted a loving relationship where they trusted each other, where they felt like a a bond and a connection, where Janae can turn to him and ask him questions when things happen. That's what he wanted, and yet his approach didn't match. So I challenged him, and I said, you need to sharpen the pencil. What do we need to take away in order to make this work? And so we went through the list. And that was an experience in and of itself. Now, I'm going to tell you more about that, but I'm going to pause here so you can learn more about Smarter Parenting and the things that we have to offer there. So take a listen. Hi, my name is Elizabeth. Did you know Smarter Parenting provides coaching services? We are here to meet your needs. If you need one coaching session a month or three coaching sessions a month, we can help you. Thanks to generous support, we can provide coaching services to families even on a tight budget a personal coach to guide you through problems you're struggling with with your child. Visit the Smarter Parenting website and go to the coaching page for more information. Welcome back. So in working with Carl, again, we listed those things. We were able to determine what approach he was coming from in order to help Janae. And then we also looked at what are the relationship goals that he had for Janae. And we had to match those. We found that he was more authoritarian. He wanted things done in a very specific way. But that approach would not lead to the goals of the relationship that he wanted with Janae. So we made some adjustments. We looked at the teaching family model. We studied why the teaching family model would work. And the area that Aaron wanted to focus on and that Carl needed to focus on and eventually wanted to focus on was the schedule, the daily schedule. How do we get our child to follow through the daily schedule? So that was the piece that we were going to begin with in helping to change this child's behavior and helping Janae change her behavior so she was able to follow through and have her parents correct the behaviors without damaging the relationship. So I introduced them to the skill of preventive teaching. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you know exactly what preventive teaching, but for those of you who are new, I'm going to go ahead and explain what preventive teaching is. Preventive teaching is a skill, a behavioral skill that we use in order to prepare a child for a future event where you want your child to behave a certain way. So you're actually preparing them beforehand so when the opportunity or the situation arises, They know exactly what you expect and how to behave. That's the purpose of preventive teaching. And preventive teaching comes with six steps. So I'm going to list out the steps because it's important for you to know. Step number one is to say something positive about your child's behavior or express empathy about how they may be feeling. Step two, describe how you want your child to act and avoid telling your child what you don't want. Step three, 
give your child a meaningful reason that they behave in a certain way. And this reason must be meaningful to your child. Step number four is practice the expected behavior. This is the most important part of preventive teaching. You need to have them practice it and practice it at a time when your child is calm so they can get it in their bones and in their minds the way they need to behave. Step number five, they need to find something positive they did during the practice. And you can correct them if they make a mistake. And then step number six is to continue to practice once the child has done. Now let me explain how that looked with Carl and with Aaron. Step number one, say something positive about your child's behavior or express empathy. So if your child is doing something positive, you want to praise them for the positive. In the case with Carl, Aaron, and Janae, she was having a hard time getting up. So we focused on expressing empathy about how they may be feeling. So Carl and Aaron, we wrote down what they could say. Basically, I know it's early. I know you're tired. I understand that you are struggling in the morning. Okay, Those empathy statements go a long way because they build alliance with you and your child. So step number one, we wrote it down so they didn't have to guess and they didn't have to figure it out beforehand. This is a way that I help parents implement these skills. It's better to write everything out for each step in order to guide them along the whole process. Now, step number two for Carl and Aaron. Describe how you want your child to act or behave and avoid telling your child what not to do. Now, Carl immediately came out with, I don't want her to go back to sleep. Okay, so we don't want to focus on what not to do. We want to focus on what she should do. And this took some practice with Carl. Um, and thank you, Carl, for letting me share your story because I think it's super helpful for a lot of parents. We had to focus on what specifically he wanted Janae to do. So we had to list those out. I want Janae to sit up in her bed. I want Janae to move her feet off to the side of the bed. And I want her to stand up. So we focused on those basic movements first. Sit up, put your feet off to the side of the bed, and then stand. That was it. So we had to write down how the description of that in order to help Carl explain that to Janae. So with including step one and step two, both of them together, Carl and Aaron would say, I realize it's early and you are tired and it's hard to get up in the morning. What you need to do is sit up, put your legs off to the side of the bed and stand up. Okay, so that's step one and step two. It doesn't have to take long. You don't have to elaborate. It doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to use flowery words. You can just communicate that. So easy. Step one, step two. Step number three, give your child a meaningful reason to behave that way. And this reason must be meaningful for your child. So what was important for us to convey to Janae is that she needed to do this because there was an incentive or a benefit for her in some way. In talking with Carl and Aaron, one of the incentives for Janae was that she liked to come home and just veg for a while. Okay, so we tie that into the timing it took for her to get ready. And then after school, because she's a little bit older, if you have a younger child, you want to try and tie those in quicker and more immediately together. But she was older. So if she took longer in the morning to get up and get going, then she would have to sacrifice some time later in her day, 15 minutes, whatever it may be later in the day, doing an extra chore or a task. 
So that was a trade-off, but it was a meaningful reason, and we wanted to also focus it on the positive. So we gave another reason, and so you can put multiple reasons in there when you need to. The other reason was you're going to have more time to eat your favorite cereal. She loved Apple Jacks. So they were to give her those meaningful reasons. So step one, step two, and step three. Let me give it to you so you know what it, what it sounds like, what it feels like. So they would come in the room, wake her up, time to get up in the morning. They would say something empathetic. Hey, I know it's early. I know you're tired and it's difficult to get up in the morning. What you need to do is sit up in your bed, move your legs off to the side of the bed and stand up. And if you do that, you can you can eat your Apple Jacks this morning. It's all ready for you to go. But if you don't, you're going to miss it. Also, if you are unable to get up now, then you'll have to sacrifice some time later in the day when you get home from school. Okay, so super easy, right? We wrote all this down, wrote it, wrote it, wrote it, so they'd be able to go back and refer to it. I I am not a fan of parents trying to memorize things. It's better if they write it down so they can refer back to it, because when you're trying to remember things in the moment, it's super hard. So write it down. Write down what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, have that there so you can just go. Now, step number four is to practice the expected behavior. So what I asked Carl and Aaron to do is take Janae after school and practice this. Have her lie down in her bed as if it was the morning and then go through this with her so she could feel what it feels like to get up. She could feel what it feels like to stand she could hear what it hears like to have her parents say these things to her. So I asked them to be as realistic as possible with this role play, this practice. And this is the most important part of preventive teaching is the practicing part. You want your child to be able to recall this experience later on when it arises Again, I'd mentioned preventive teaching is this idea that we prepare our children for things that are to come, situations that will happen. So practice, practice, practice. You need to practice at least three times where they can do it successfully on their own. Practice more, if at all possible. And with younger children, they learn quickly, but practice it as often as you can. And you can also practice it at different times. So I I asked Carl and Aaron to practice it after school. Then I asked them to practice it right before Janae went to bed. The reason being is just to keep it kind of fresh in her mind that that's what was going to occur the next day. Now, while they were practicing, I challenged Carl and Aaron to find something positive that she did during their practice and to praise her. That's step number five. You want to find something positive they did during the role play. And if they needed to make some corrections, they could make corrections. And step number six is to continue to practice. So again, as I mentioned, practice it after school, practice it before bed, and then see how things go in the next morning. So we went through this whole process in working through this with Carl and Aaron. And it was fascinating in the whole process of working with Carl because, again, we were sharpening the pencil the entire time where there were certain things that he grew up with and he expected and he wanted to implement, but again, they were not as helpful in what he wanted as a relationship with his child. So we had to take away things in order to make the skill useful. 
once they were both on the same page, I practiced it with them, and then they were able to take that and practice it with their child. You may be wondering why I practice with them. The reason I practice with them, and the way I practice is I demonstrate what they should say and how they should say it, and how the interaction goes, is because by me practicing it with them, they can get a better idea of what it feels like and what works. So when they have to do it, it's not new. It's not something that they're unfamiliar with. Then I have them practice it back with me as if they're the parents so they can repeat back. And that way, when they go and work on this with Janae, they're prepared. They're ready. They know exactly what they're doing. They're comfortable because they've done it a few times. They've done it with me. And they're able to implement it a lot quicker. So that's what you would get in a coaching session is me guiding you through this whole process of how to implement these skills and then how you can implement these skills with your children too. So those are the steps. That's what we went through with Carl and Aaron in helping them with Janae and getting her up early and on time. Let me tell you how it worked. They did practice it. They practiced it the first night and the next morning with Janae. They went into the room and surprisingly, they both reported Janae was up like she was awake and she knew what was coming and she got up and they were amazed by this. And they asked her, okay, we didn't really even go through the whole process, but Janae reported that she knew what the expectation was. She knew what was going to happen. And just having that structure in place for her was motivating enough to get her to do it on her own. Granted, not every child is going to be that motivated, but I was pleasantly surprised, and it does happen when you set some expectations like this with your child and they know that you know what you're doing, they tend to conform and they tend to, to follow through. So they talked to her about it that first night, and the next morning she was awake before they got there, and she got up and she did everything she needed to do. Fantastic. Now, as the days had gone on, she started to slump back into some older behaviors where she would struggle to get out of bed. She would lose her time afterwards. And that was the other part in working with Carl and Aaron is consistency. If she doesn't follow through, you have to follow through on your end. You have to be able to not allow her to have the cereal, but something quicker on her way out. You have to also be sure to take away the time. So we did some adjustments there. Overall, in a week's period of time, she was able to get up three times successfully, and two times she struggled. Now, when I communicated with Carl about this, I was super happy. And I'm like, that's wonderful. And Carl's like, well, that's not wonderful because she didn't do it 100%. And this, is again, is where Carl and I had to discuss the principle of sharpening a pencil. We have to be able to recognize the, the good that our children are doing and not focus in on the clumps that are keeping them from progression. Three out of five times she was able to follow through. That's wonderful. We are going to take as many wins as we possibly can. Every triumph, every triumph should be recognized by parents. When kids are struggling to learn something new or to adapt to something new, any effort that they make in a positive direction should be praised. We should be like, great job. Thanks for following through. You know, when you do this and you do it effectively, it gives you more time to eat your cereal in the morning and you always feel better afterwards. And then you come home and you can just relax and enjoy your day. So 
we want to encourage even small progress because small progress leads to big change. So Carl and I went at it again. I love Carl because like we can debate these things and we can talk about them deeply and really, you know, get into the mud about how to make things work. So they continued to work with Janae on this. And then the next week they noticed that she did three and maybe four days where she did it well. But the I had to talk to Carl and Aaron about expectations every day because, you know, the very first day Janae was able to get up on her own. That was a high expectation that she put out that she can do it. So Carl was holding on to that idea. Well, she can do it the first time. She can do it every time. We all have days where we struggle and we're not 100%. So we have to give a little bit of leeway there. And we also have to understand that as a child progresses and grows, things change and they adjust. And we have to adjust with that. We can't hold children to standards because of a one-time action. We have to allow them some room for experimentation for growth and decision-making on their own. The thing that we need to do as parents is to teach and to be consistent. So they've taught her the skill, they reviewed the skill, and one of the things that I had them do again and again and again was role-play it. Because the role-playing is something that will keep it fresh in her mind. So role-playing it after school, role-playing it again right before bed. And as they continued to do this, they saw improvement in Janae and her ability to follow through. Now, we started off with the instructions of her sitting up in bed, moving her legs out from the si- to the side of the bed, and then standing up. And as she was able to do that, we started to add more things to that. So I need you to stand up and go to the bathroom and brush your teeth. As she was able to do that, okay, now I need you to, you know, comb your hair, take a shower, Whatever it may be, we just added more things on as she progressively improved. And recognizing those small improvements made all the difference in the world. So that's the way that you can use preventive teaching in helping your child with routine. They have to get up early in the morning or they have to get up and do things. I realize that we are here during a pandemic and things are closed down. I don't know where you are, but where I'm at, the kids had to be um, removed from school. They did distance learning for a while, and yet they still had a schedule. So they still had to get up at a certain time to attend a Zoom class to be marked present for the class. So they still had schedules. They just had to do it in a new way, in a different way. So schedules, it can be very challenging, and it could be sometimes a point of frustration for a lot of parents. In fact, Carl and Aaron are not the only parents who have contacted me about this issue. There have been so many parents who've contacted me about this issue that I felt it was important for us to address it here. Now, I wanted to give you some tips in the role-playing to help you along and also to help your child along. If you are struggling with them getting ready and you feel like you have to be there to watch them get ready, let me make a few suggestions that you can try to see if it works. Sometimes using a timer for how much time it would take for them to do a certain task is helpful. That way you can set the timer, you can walk away, wait for the timer to ring, then come back and check. Sometimes for kids, the timer helps. They feel like, oh, I'm on a clock, I need to hurry, I need to get things going. Another thing you can do also is you can play a song. So I've had this with younger children where there's a specific song that the parent chooses where they're supposed to complete the task. So the parents come in, they wake their child up, they play the music, 
And as the music's playing, the child is to complete everything before the end of the song. Sometimes that works, right? You can also use chore charts where once they finish something that they need to do, they come in, check with you, and you can give them a star in their chore chart so they can earn something later in the week. There's a lot of different approaches that you can use preventive teaching to guide your child along. And what you would do is implement these ideas into the preventive teaching practice. When you're practicing it with your child, you can set a timer, you can play some music, you can set up a chore chart. This parent felt like they needed to be there every step of the way to explain every single thing. I told her, record yourself doing it one morning. One morning that you do it, record yourself doing the whole thing. And then the next day, bring the recording and have the recording dictate to your child what your child needs to do in the morning. So it's say, okay, get up. You're going to get up. Okay, we're going to go to the bathroom. Be descriptive. And that way, the parent could go and press play and leave and do what they needed to do because they had things to do too in order to get ready for the day and then check in, come back and find out if the child is still on task. So those are some things that you can do to implement. There are a lot of different things, but I had each of the parents that have asked for additional suggestions incorporate some of these different techniques and use preventive teaching to guide their children along. And you'd be surprised what works. And children are all different. So you you will figure out what works for your child, what's going to be most effective for them. It's a fascinating thing to be able to see change in children happen so quickly by using the skill of preventive teaching. Now, I need to give a huge shout out to Carl and Aaron. Thank you, Carl and Aaron, for letting me share your story, everything about your story. I feel it's so beneficial for so many parents around the world, specifically those who struggle with their children who have a morning routine who struggle doing it. So thank you again for letting me share your story. and. Kudos to you on the efforts that you've made and being able to sharpen your pencil, finding out that sometimes adding things is not better than removing things. Whatever is unnecessary, we need to remove those things and really focus in on sharpening that pencil, making sure that it is useful in your parenting approach. I will guarantee this, though. Using the teaching family model is a game changer for every family I've worked with Using the skills of the teaching family model consistently has brought about changes that even the parents have been surprised about. So highly recommend you jump in, sign up for coaching, do all of that. I am here for you. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for what the future brings. That's it for me. And I will see you again next week. Right. Bye.